Iowa everywhere. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Chris Williams. Chris. Chris Hassel. Two guys named Chris. Presented by Fairway Meat and Grocery. From the Channel Seed Studios, this is Iowa Everywhere. Channel Seed. Seedsmanship at work. Hello, welcome to Two Guys Named Chris, and Happy New Year. It is the 2nd of January. We are rolling on a Tuesday this week. Obviously, yesterday was New Year's Day. Would have been kind of dumb in our minds to do a show and then have Iowa play and then the uh, college football playoff game, so we just bumped it back a day. We are glad to have you with us. Many of you back at work for the first time in uh, many weeks for a lot of people. We are presented, as always, by Fairway Meat and Grocery in the Channel Seed Studios. Chris Hassel is in Florida. I am back in Iowa. How are you doing, my brother? Doing all I right? I just heard a very a wet cough somewhere yeah. in the background. That would be Elise. There's another one. Yep. Oh, my I'm God. Stay-at-home dad today. I just uh, I just took a COVID test. It was negative, but starting are to feel Are you sick, it too? too? A little yeah, your bit. Your eyes look a little puffy today, man. Good God. <laughs> Freshly shaved, new year. I had, a, I had a sore throat the last few days, so I just wanted to be sure. And Wink yeah. looks like he just got stung by a thousand bees. Look a little puffy today. Just all puffed up. Yeah. Yeah, I got two two girls. Well, they don't go back to school till tomorrow, so I'm uh, stay-at-home dad duty today, but I like doing that every once in a while. Man, I... Look, and you guys have have had your your issues, but I, I I had an issue last night. I had to stay up till almost one a.m. Eastern time to finish those games. That's what you're complaining about. I'm not complaining, man. No, those were incredible. Stay God. up and watch football. Could not have asked for anything better than that. It's just I, you know, you get a great game. And it's always a little bit difficult to transition to the next one because you don't think there's any way it's going to be nearly as yeah. good. And God, Washington, Texas was so much fun to watch. That Washington team is incredible. And this we got an all Big Ten championship game, Chrissy Bear. Yeah, here we go. Here yeah. we go. Michigan. That was and a weird Washington. That was weird. The um, commissioners of the Big Twelve and yeah. Pac Twelve were at that game last night. Like just, like come just on, wild. Um, I what I appreciated about the two games is they were very different stylistically. Right, you had this like hard nosed Big Ten SEC game, and then you had the more wide open Big Twelve Pac Twelve game. It was fun. Mm-hmm. It it was it was a lot of fun. We had that beautiful Rose Bowl sunset that we could feast our eyes upon. Uh, during the second half of that one, no, it was it was it was, it was a nice cleansing of the palate after what we saw earlier in the day at the Citrus Bowl. Can I just say too? I know you're singling out Iowa, but a nice cleansing of the palate from the entire bowl season. We can throw Iowa bad. State into the mix, but there's just so many. You know, one of the takeaways I have from bowl season is like the earlier bowl games are almost better now than even these New Year's Six types. Like the Fiesta Bowl was a blowout. We had this disaster in the Orange Bowl where hardly any Florida State players played. These smaller schools, though, it still means more to, right? Like in these... It can, yeah. It can. Not all the time, but if you just want like competitive games for these, like it truly means... A bowl championship is how they used to put it. Like the earlier ones were way better this year because the bit, the higher the level got that wasn't the playoff, it felt like it meant less. Does that make sense? Especially the, the, the New Year's six games that are just out of the playoff. As you mentioned, the, 
the Orange Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl. I mean, did you even watch the Fiesta Bowl no, yesterday? I, I, my I God, have Wisconsin Oregon LSU Liberty. on my other one. Yeah, it's um, it's sad. Uh, I I did I did I watched my first bowl game. I think it was New Year's Eve. And there were a couple that were fun to watch. They were legitimately fun. Yeah, yeah. But for the most part, it was a, a huge dud. And, you know, going locally with, with our teams, I mean, <laughs> could you have two bigger duds? I mean, Iowa State's a double-digit favorite against an American conference team. And just get waxed. Down 19 nothing in the first quarter. Like, nobody saw that coming. Never in it. And and then of course the the absolute debacle that was Iowa Tennessee in the Citrus Bowl. I mean that was that was one of the most pathetic displays I've ever seen from an Iowa team. I mean I I think that was that was worse than the other two shutouts we saw by a mile. Like that that was way worse than the Big Ten championship game, and worse than the Penn State game earlier on this season. But three shutouts now in one season. And what was the stat? Iowa going into this season hadn't been shut out since the year 2000. And they get shut out three times, blown out in every game, not even a chance played in any of these games. teams this year and were outscored 92 to nothing in those games. So frustrating. And look, I know I already said bowl, these bowl games don't matter and they don't. They, they really don't. But... That was an just a complete embarrassment, and the cherry on top of of the most disgusting display of offense from a team I've ever seen. And can you imagine that going into this year after what we saw last year? If I would have told you four or five months ago th- this offense is going to be even worse, and yeah, there were injuries. Injuries can happen any year. They might happen again next year, but. To put that out there, and then you, you have Kirk Ferentz to say right after the game, the, one of the first things he says before he gets any questions, just really need to take a step back and focus on the ten wins. Yeah, let, let's hear from Ferentz. I think Matt's got a little bit of Ferentz audio. We'll see what he had to say afterwards. This is pretty complicated. There's, it's a team effort. Uh, I'll, I'll just say this, and again, I don't want to get too global on things. We, we've played some top ten teams. We've been a top ten team, so I think we know what it takes and what what it, you know what's required. Uh, typically, for us, at least the last twenty five years, everything's got to work together, and certainly it didn't. Uh, and didn't today. It was pretty obvious out there. Just encourage everybody to step back. It's ten win season. Big Ten West champs. A lot of really good moments, and these guys have really overcome a lot of adversity. And a lot of unique challenges, and that's uh, those are things that really serve them well moving forward. My my biggest takeaway from yesterday, and and I'm going to let you kind of just go off because you're, <clears throat> it, they didn't have any opt outs, and Ference is one of these guys that because he talks about it. I'm not theorizing anything. Where these these bowl games still really really matter, and. I was dead wrong. Um, <laughs> I I thought Iowa had a chance to win this game with all of Tennessee's opt-outs. And I I really thought, like, man, it's the last thing for Brian Ferentz. You know, you've, everybody's playing together. Uh, culturally, Iowa seems like it's impeccable keeping all these guys. They're all coming back, right? Like, nobody's quit. Tennessee has backups throughout its entire defense. I I actually, I, I'm so stupid. I thought Iowa was going to win and I played the over in this mm-hmm. game. It almost I, hit the over, thanks to I, Tennessee. It did. <laughs> I, Tennessee's offense gave Iowa the problems I thought it would because I thought Tennessee would be able to score some points with their tempo and all that stuff. I did not foresee Tennessee grooming this next Heisman contender is you know quarterback. What they did, I'm guessing Hassel. I bet they told Joe Milton, "Thanks, brother. We appreciate your time here. We want to get this kid ready for next season, and we are going to give him an entire month to lead up for the University of Iowa." And this kid comes in and is and is unbelievable. But 
Again, for Iowa, like Ferentz, there's a ton of emphasis on these bowl games. And to still to go out there against a team heavy in opt-outs and look that inept was shocking to me. I did, I did not see it coming. It, same here. And we, we look really stupid for our predictions, and we'll have more on that in, in a little bit, courtesy of uh, Van Winks. But I, the, the way Iowa treats this thing, bowl championships, you know, they, they put all of their emphasis on the bowl game. So much so that they're really not even looking at the future. They're really not even yet looking to, okay, who's the next offensive coordinator going to be? What are we going to do? What are we going to do with this offense? Nope, it's all about the bowl game. Then we'll think about the future. That's It's it's ass backwards to think that way in that kind of bowl game this day and age. But because of that, I'm thinking the same thing. Tennessee wasn't even that good this season. Their best win in the regular season was against Kentucky. They Every time they played a ranked team, they lost by 14-plus. And you see, again, the incredible gap between the pretty good teams and Iowa. Like, set aside the great teams, you know, the Michigans, for instance. You, Iowa can't even step down to that next level, the Penn States, the Tennessees. And even compete. I mean, when that game was 14-0, it was over. Everyone knew it. Iowa had zero chance to come back in that game. And what was really telling to me was the broadcast crew. And I give them credit. Most of the broadcast crews you hear, all they're, they're tripping all over themselves to find ways to put lipstick on a pig. And I mean, the ugliest pig you've ever seen. This crew did not do that. They were as dumbfounded as we are as fans that watch this week in and week out. It's unfathomable to sit here and watch this and listen to the Ferences talk about how, well, yeah, Deacon Hill's done a really, really good job for us at quarterback. Yeah, you know, sometimes it doesn't work. You know, a lot of times you'll hear, and Ferentz said it after this game. You know, it just didn't, you know, the offense just didn't work today. It's always like today. No, the the whole goddamn season, okay? Last season as well. This wasn't a one-game thing. It wasn't like the offense worked in the 10 games that you won. (laughs) This is pathetic. And there's no Iowa does not stand a chance moving forward if Kirk Ferentz doesn't understand that this is a major, major problem. Because if he thinks he's going to win 10 games in the new Big Ten, playing the way he's been playing, that ain't happening. Well, speaking of that, the other takeaway I had from yesterday had nothing to do with Iowa. Did you watch Wisconsin? Saw the highlights. They can score. Or they didn't that game. They had an offense. Like, <laughs> yeah. in LSU had some opt-outs. Like, it wasn't perfect. But all of a sudden, like, they get a bowl season, or, you know, bowl practices, and they got Mordecai back. And I was watching Wisconsin, and I was like, oh, my God. Like, that's what they're trying to do. They lost to LSU, but they looked like an incredibly competent football team offensively going going forward and it just you know one it just spoke to one you're watching Iowa who beat Wisconsin but one that's moving forward offensively and evolving a little bit and the other one that was not and I, I understand that the Heisman winner Jaden Daniels did not play that's not my point I'm talking about their offense against and a same type of SEC level defense what out there would they score 28 31. I think 31. they scored 31 points in mm-hmm. that football game. It just spoke to me the difference between where Iowa and, and Wisconsin are. Speaking of that, Iowa's got to make an offensive coordinator hire. We'll see where that goes. But you you had some pretty funny you, – you, you found a couple of Iowa fans wanting to fight each other. Oh, I mean, it was right of off game. the bat in the game. I mean, they throw, Deacon Hill throws the interception in the end zone. 
Tennessee marches down and scores, and then all hell breaks loose. I mean, my I these these two Iowa fans in my mentions start going at each other, and one of them wants to fight. I mean, he just flat out says, I live in Spring Hill, Iowa. Come here and fight me right now. That's how bad it was yesterday. Iowa fans fighting amongst themselves, literally, maybe figuratively, maybe even literally. That's what Brian Ferentz's offense has done to you folks. And then, of course... I mean, Iowa's just getting boat raced. They've got no chance. And at halftime, Kirk Ferentz tells the ESPN sideline reporter that nothing that happened in that first half had anything to do with Deacon Hill. Mm. What what is going on? The announce, who was doing play-by-play? Dave Fleming. Dave Fleming had a great quote late in the second half where Hill overthrew somebody by like 10 yards. It was almost like he was throwing it away, but he wasn't. And Fleming just goes, I don't even know who he was targeting on that play. Like it had gotten to be that bad. And so then, then you bring in the, the heralded backup Lainez. Lainez. Yeah. Lainez, Lainez. And, and he's running all over the place. He yeah, looks he, like he Tommy Frazier out there. He looked like Brad Banks back there. Now, look, he he, he didn't throw it very well. Okay. But <laughs> in the face of a lot of pressure, and they were teeing off on him. Well, and they Ferences didn't do him any credit. They put him out there with like they weren't even running their offense at that point. Oh, at one God. point they were like five wide with him out there. Like mm. he had no chance. But the guy can at least move. And you're telling me this guy was thoroughly outplayed by Deacon Hill in practice week in and week out. Kirk Ferentz again was asked after the game, like, did you ever think of putting Linez in? No, no, no. Deacon Hill's done a great job for us. And that made it even more frustrating. Like, I can't even picture what he might look like in the future. Linez, when if he's even there when he's given a chance to play, because it's not going to be next year. Cade McNamara is going to be the starter next year if he stays healthy. Maybe he'll be the backup and he'll come in when McNamara gets hurt. But it's more frustrating when you see something like that than, oh, like the Tennessee kid. Oh, that's a glimpse of our future. Looks bright. <laughs> you, you can't. You can't take any of that. And feel good about it. I'm sorry. Well, at least Lionez is going to have a shot. You're getting Brian Ference and Spencer Petrus out of that quarterback's room. <laughs> you, you know what Kirk Ferentz needs to do? Just cut the middleman here. Okay? Kirk Ferentz needs to just name himself the offensive coordinator. Because that's what it's going to be anyway. That's what it's all. That's what it's always been. This is Kirk Ferentz's offense. It's his way or the highway. He's making the decisions. He's making the calls. Why even go through this charade of naming a new offensive coordinator? Just just name yourself and be done with it. Iowa finishes the season averaging 15 points per game. Uh, they only eclipsed twenty the patented twenty five points per game that was astutely put into the contract by Gary Barta uh, two times, which is shocking to me. Remember at the beginning of the year, friends at Circa, yeah, did that that line, and it was like a pretty overwhelming favorite that Iowa would average. score more than twenty five a game. Yeah, yeah. What didn't was, even so come close? Were, I mean, not even close. You were working yesterday. How was the reaction? Did you hear anything? Were, were people talking about Iowa in the newsroom at all? Yeah, it was It was just an embarrassment. I mean, as soon as they went down 14 nothing, 
Oh, let's we're, we're, we can cut the shot sheet now. We've got the highlight. Nothing else is gonna nothing else is gonna change this thing. Now they did end up adding the pick six because <laughs> it was just too good not to add. But it's just and and anytime Iowa's in a game like that, I'll just get texts from random people who might be you know fringe Iowa fans or people that just kind of tune in and tune out throughout the year. Got a text from one of my buddies during that game, and he said, every time I watch Iowa, I'm blown away. Never seen anything like it. I'm astonished that there are two offenses out there worse than them. I don't know how it's possible. I I guess technically, if you look at some stats and some numbers, you might find some numbers that are worse than Iowa, but not many. Right? I mean... (laughs) It's really funny. I I got Todd Grisham, who I worked with at ESPN, and you know he's kind of a he's a football fan, but he's a he's an Alabama fan. doesn't doesn't watch Iowa. He's a big fight guy. Big fight guy calls uh, boxing matches. He was watching the guy, game right? yesterday. So he what old WWE guy, right? Yes. So he was, uh, unfortunately, he took my advice and he took Iowa. And poor bastard. He, he he just he sent a text, took Hassel's advice and bet on Iowa today. This is the first time I've watched them all season. I can't even read the next sentence that, that he wrote because it's <laughs> it's not. It it has to do with the Special Olympics, but. Uh, then he said, third and eight, handoff up the middle every time. Do they even have an offensive coordinator? I'm sure you have thought of every possibility having watched them all season, but why doesn't Iowa just put their best athlete in and run a wildcat offense? Like whoever's returning punts, make them quarterback. And it, yeah, maybe we had that conversation like, I don't know, 10 weeks ago, put Cooper DeGene in there. And then, no, of course, he runs it in, in practice game and gets hurt. Year. Yeah, it's it, but it's really fast. Like the like the announcers, Dave Fleming and Brock Osweiler, they were on the West Coast most of the year. I think they were doing a lot of late night Saturday night games, like Pac twelve, seeing you know these high flying offenses, and then and then they see this, oh, and yeah. I and I know how it went down. Like they're watching film of this offense in their lead up to the game and they're just they they're just they just can't believe it and they look at the numbers and they can't believe it at one point Dave Fleming said yeah we're 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 flashing all these numbers on the screen I'm not going to acknowledge every single one of them because they're all just you know they're, they're all yeah. the same they're the worst and everything that like you can see them you you get it and then they see it firsthand and they just, their minds are blown that Iowa can be that bad, that futile offensively. So the real thing here, the real story is, let's say in a perfect world, Iowa goes out and hires Dana Holgerson to be its next offensive coordinator. And the Hawks start putting up 40 a game next year. Nobody will ever care about this this game again. Well, that's not it, happening. Let me finish. Okay. Because I want to be fair that these games are exhibitions. They are scrimmages. We all know this. It doesn't mean what it did in the 1990s when these bowl games were everything where you played the whole season to play into the bowl, right? Like, it's it's not the same. The, the problem is, I'm sensing from most of you that you guys don't really even care who Kirk Ferentz hires now. Well, it, because it, it's not going to matter. Well, and the biggest issue, though, is this change in the Big Ten. Like, are we at the point now where it's like, you, I'm not taking away seven or ten wins. Great year. With all their injuries, they deserve 
a standing ovation for keeping that team together, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like it, it's a it is an accomplishment despite the schedule. The issue is that schedule changes now. Like these these years of I I I we were texting last night, like we're watching Washington. Washington essentially replaces Purdue next year on the schedule. You have to go to UCLA essentially instead of playing Illinois. Right? Like shit is about to get real for Iowa. And it's not even gonna be as bad because they had the three protected rivals, so you still get all these big ten West teams. But it's just we we have so much evidence that playing this way does not work in 2023, and now you're not going to be the, in this cocoon that is the Big Ten West. What the problem is, Kirk Ferentz believes it does work because they did just win ten games again. Like that's to him that means it is working. He really does think that this offense is complementary. He, he believes that. He somehow doesn't see what the rest of us see. And that's why I, I really don't think anything is going to change. Even though the Big Ten is changing. And you mentioned it earlier. The new offense at Wisconsin. Matt Rule doing different things at Nebraska. Like they, they got the number one quarterback yeah. in the country. Even those teams, those Big Ten West teams, are evolving because you have to. You you can't keep doing this. You Can can't keep trying to grind out fourteen to ten wins. It is is an argument to be made that this Linez is more exciting than Cade McNamara next year? Yeah, but he like, I'm not excited about Cade McNamara at all. I just. I don't think we're going to see a much different version of him next year than we saw this year. And in that offense, a guy that can't move. That's my point. Like you need a guy that can extend a play. You need a guy that can pick up a first down with his legs. I mean, what did we see from every good team this bowl season, those two playoff games last night, quarterbacks extending the play, getting out of the pocket, getting a first down with their legs when they need it. That's not going to happen with Cade McNamara. And I think you're just holding your breath, waiting for the next injury with him. Yeah. God, they're and I, I hope that I hope he comes back a hundred percent and he stays healthy and has a good final season. I just I don't see it happening. John Miller and I were having this conversation last night. If, you, if you're a real sick Iowa fan, you haven't heard that yet, go back and listen to it. Very different tone. Um, would Deacon Hill... Because th- this, this is my point. That guy who brought in Deacon Hill, this, <clears throat> this Bud Meyer... Yeah, Budemeyer, yeah. Whatever. Should be disqualified from this offensive coordinator I agree. This guy... I mean, this. What does this guy have on Kirk Ferentz to keep getting paid? Oh, I hey Kirk, don't worry about it. I got us a backup quarterback. He's this guy who was fifth string at Wisconsin. All right, couldn't even get a snap in the scout team. Nobody else wanted him. I got him. He's a good character guy. Bring him in here, and we're going to throw him out to play Michigan in the Big Ten championship. Like, what are we doing here? Deacon Hill wouldn't play anywhere else in college football. There's not another team in the country that would trot that guy out there. And I'm not so sure that he'd even play in most FCS programs. I think you're right. And look at, like, even Petrus. We had this conversation, too, with Miller. I Is Petrus, like, a lock-in to be the starter at Utah State? Because I'd be really surprised. You know what I mean? Like, the that even seems like far fetched to me. I, I don't off. know, but that's I think that's the right level for him. Yeah, Mountain West, um, and and phew, they have done a pretty good job of making Spencer Petrus look respectable. Looking back, Petrus wasn't nearly as bad as Deacon Hill was, but again, Deacon Hill was a guy that could not even get practice reps at Wisconsin, let alone get on the field. 
I mean, he, he was he was not even on the scout team. He was just a, a, a guy that was there at practice. He wasn't getting any meaningful reps. And now what is he doing? He's starting every game for the Big Ten West champs. And Budemeyer is somehow in this offensive coordinator race. This guy, I tell you. Well, I, I yeah, I, I think anybody on that staff should be disqualified. If you had any hand in this offense the last couple of years, you should be disqualified from being a candidate to run this offense. Because th- this has been the worst offense in the country, by, by far, and the most embarrassing. You, so how can you even consider promoting from within, within that thing? Kirk Ferentz, if, if he really wants to coach another five years, he needs... Which we're hearing more and more of behind the scenes for what it's worth. This isn't... We, we had thought after Brian got fired, maybe he'd just throw in the towel. And it certainly, we don't know, but it certainly doesn't feel like that. Put it that way. And I think at this point, a lot of it is defiance as well. Oh, some people want me gone. Hmm. Got another thing coming. Yeah. Ch- oh, you I want to change in the offense? Contract huh. it says the other way, right? Got another thing coming. But if he really wants to, he needs to, he needs to step back right now and listen to some other people and say, damn it, we don't need a drastic change. Like Dana Holgerson, yeah, that'd be awesome. It'd be great. You bring him in. He knows his offense. I wouldn't That's not going to happen. What 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 he needs to do is at least hire someone who's qualified to run their own offense the way they want to do it. Because I guarantee you, if you hire someone from outside, the way they run an if you're qualified, the way they run an offense is a hell of a lot better than you can run an offense and that you've been doing it. And Kirk Ferentz <laughs> said again in the postgame yesterday, you know, offense is complicated. Oh, my God. How many times are we going to hear that shit? Offense just, is complicated. Well, I don't why, is your, why does your playbook take years to learn? Scrap it. That's the most like asinine thing ever. The offense is complicated. Do you know how many plays Mike Leach? Offenses that would put up 50 points a game, no matter who they played. You know how many plays he had on his little card? Five. <laughs> the only thing complicated about it is you had, the players had to learn to communicate like via eye contact and stuff. It's very backyard football-ish. Mm-hmm. He had five. Mike Leach had five plays that he would run, putting up fifty points a game against anyone. How many, you know, Davy O'Brien awards did he produce? Uh, and that's why, too. Like, there's part of me. I feel like intellectually, like stupid, even like roasting these quarterbacks because it's like, I, I don't, I don't like name. Yeah. Like, okay, if 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 we would put Rocco back. Who's got this very bright future? We think at Iowa, he would have gotten destroyed. Him, yeah, if we would put him in Iowa's offense, he would suck too. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt in my mind. And, and the same goes for Brian Ferentz. Like he's been the scapegoat here. Yeah, but let's be honest. The, the, this buck stops with Kirk Ferentz and Kirk Ferentz only. There, there isn't just going to magically change now that Brian Ferentz is out of there. Now that Deacon Hill is not going to be the quarterback, hopefully. Is, is Deacon Hill's got to stay right? Like there, he can't. There's go nowhere else he can go if he wants to be. You know, I mean, I don't think I know. There's not another FBS school that would take him. I I think you would have to go really low FCS, mm-hmm. maybe even like D two. Like I, I'm, and I'm not trying to be a dick. So like here's the problem: watching okay, the, Deacon Hill. What you put stays. out his stats, he just. Fumbles the ball all the time. Like he, his completion percentage well, and, is and, and terrible. And that's the that's the one one of the other maddening things about this is that Kirk Ferentz c- constantly preaches ball security and the way they play. He knows they can't turn the ball over. What does Deacon Hill do? He turns the ball over all the time. I mean, dozen fumbles this season, seven, eight interceptions. 
And okay, you can do that if you're throwing 45 touchdowns in a season. You can't when you're throwing five. I mean, he's responsible, Deacon Hill, for more points scored by the opposition than he was by his own offense. And again, for the Iowa fans killing the offensive line, there's plenty of criticism, but it, I would just make the just be real careful because. Try playing offensive line against the Tennessee, those athletes when they know exactly what's coming. Like it's hard. I, I I would guess if you put a competent offense in there that most of those linemen are not terrible, like we've been kind of led to believe here. I, I, I it may not be like a Ferentz offensive line from 15 years ago. I'm not making that argument, but I don't think they're this bad. If Deacon Hill stays. What does Linez go like, right back to third string next season? I don't know, but then you got to ask yourself like the same stuff with Labus last year. Like, why is he still here? Yes. Like, and I would also make the point to Linez. It's like get the hell out of there before your reputation is tattered. Ooh. Sometimes it's better I, just to be the guy in the corner of the room that never talks because people don't know how <laughs> stupid you are. You know, I've learned this. I've had to learn this over the years. Keep your mouth shut sometimes. But like for real, I mean, if let's say they hire Budmeyer, which I don't think that they will. It sounds like it's Paul Chris or Philbin, one of the one of, whatever. By everything Kirk Ferentz has done in the last five years, Deacon Hill is the backup to Cade McNamara with Lioness being third string. Everything that we've seen. And I mean, I'm just using the man's words. When we're watching Deacon Hill and you're telling us that the, he's the best option and you're so steadfast in your delivery, that Lioness is now the new Joey Lavis. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, I, I don't. I don't even know how Iowa even gets a quarterback to come there. To be honest, like a quarterback with any options, I, I don't. I don't get it. But I just any of these guys, well, like Linez specifically, who looked better with his legs. I, I, I am not going to judge his passing percentage yesterday because they threw him out there to die. Like it was, it was actually quite embarrassing what they did to him. It, what, yeah, what I mean, you if you're gonna five? if you're gonna do that, it, put the guy in when it was fourteen nothing. Yeah, and it's the and second quarter. Let him run some plays that he's probably yeah. practiced. Like <laughs> they're not practicing that. I can't imagine that they are. <laughs> you know, like he, that poor kid had no chance. And he, so if you somebody had to do the math for me, I, I, sh- I should have done this beforehand. But if you take away his scrambling yesterday, they would have been under a hundred yards. I believe of total offense. He had like well, yeah, I mean he had there. he had like fifty plus yards in one 50, drive. Yeah. That poor kid. Uh, what okay, did you so think the, of Iowa not making any offensive players available after the game? That pisses me off. I actually get really offended by that because these bowl games are not cheap to cover. And it's honestly kind of stupid that we're all there covering them anyways in two thousand twenty three. And if you're gonna uh, this was media geek stuff that people don't care about, and I know that. But like, if 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 the media outlets are going to pay the money to be there for a week or whatever it is, which a lot of those Iowa guys were, you you make your guys available. Yeah, I mean, it's just that's a good point. Right a, just just for me as a fan, just sitting back here in South Florida watching the game, I would read the quotes and the coverage and all that, but it didn't really bother me. Yeah, I, I don't expect I can this see, to bother fans. I can see as someone who has to make a decision on whether or not you know we're going to keep covering bowl games because each year that question gets bigger and bigger because the bowl games are less and less attractive because of so yes. many opt-outs, so many teams not really even caring. And so when you have a situation like this, we spend all this money to send a reporter down there and then you don't even make players available after the game. I mean, that's something that's going to be remembered in the future. Well, I mean, I'm in that boat. 
the reason we were heavy in Memphis because it was an easy drive. Like it was very cheap for us mm-hmm. to be able to cover the Liberty Bowl. And I thought it made sense with all of the Iowa State guys that are coming back. Um, but like in 2017, like we had practices we could go to. We had all this access this year. No, it was you're going to get a coordinator here and like three selected players. And then it was very much, it was fine. Like the Liberty bowl actually is an awesome bowl game to work with. I have zero complaints about them, but like they just keep taking our access more and more every year. These programs do. Iowa state had a similar deal. Um, that there was only one defensive player available after the game and, and the SID scrounged to even make that happen. I think a lot of these players too, now with NIL and stuff, they don't have to do any of this stuff. Where it mm-hmm. used to be in the 90s, like, <laughs> no, the sports information director actually liked the media back then. We're now like, we're like an adversary, right? Like, it's a totally different uh, dynamic. But I'm a firm believer, if you're going to want people to continue to cover these things the way that we always have in the past, you got to go above and beyond to, you know, make it make it worth it. And mm-hmm. It was fine. Like the Memphis thing, I, I had no complaints about it, but that would really piss me off if I'm the Des Moines Register or Channel 13. And, you know, I've been down there all week and it's been really great coverage of your program. You did win 10 games. We're there. You're leading off every newscast. And we're just going to completely snub you like that. Now, I will give Iowa credit. Brian Ferentz had a great press conference earlier in the week, which was uh, refreshing. Yes, I'm, I'm glad that he did that. But the yes, one thing that, was, that stood out from that press conference, unfortunately, was when he said that Deacon Hill has done a really good job at quarterback for us. Yeah. That, well, that was so you're going to get some of that. You're going to get coach speak, whatever. But at least he did that. I thought that yes. was a classy move by Brian. It was. You, he knew he was just going to take shots. You know, like mm-hmm. it's not it's not a fun situation for for anybody. But that that's a whole other deal, This the bowl game thing, because we we're, we don't have time for that. We've still got a lot. We haven't even touched Iowa State. Real quick, before we get to Iowa State, um, I, I, I thought this is always fun to do. You and me, we some some genius had the idea that we should give predictions for these bowl games on our social media feeds. Uh, we did that. Van Winkle is going to go back and see how we did. Let's see how these went down. Iowa State and Memphis, the Liberty Bowl. I'll make a quick prediction for you guys. Memphis doesn't stop the run well. I think <laughs> Iowa State really gets Abu Sama going. I think on the other end, Iowa State could have some trouble stopping this Memphis team. I still think Iowa State wins it by 10 or so. I do think it's a double-digit win for the Cyclones. Iowa-Tennessee Citrus Bowl, I don't get the spread. I don't know why it opened at 8, 8.5. It's been bet down to 6, some places 5.5. That's still too many points for Iowa. Here's what I do know. This team wasn't even that good in the regular season. They got blown out by every ranked team they played. And I know that Iowa is treating this like a championship game. Iowa has their players. Tennessee doesn't have many of theirs. So I don't even think Iowa needs the five or six points. I think Iowa will win this game outright. (laughs) What about me? Taking a shot at the Memphis rush defense that held Iowa State to zero yards. Yeah. And the, like a quarter into the game, social media was like, don't hand the ball off anymore. <laughs> we can tell it is not going to work. They kept trying and just they running just into a wall. Trying. Oh, God. Oh. And then, of course, because it goes on social media, it lives forever. And then, oh, yeah. you know, you just get Tennessee people in the comments of my prediction. I'm sure you have oh. Memphis ones. And I mean, we yeah. we could not have looked worse. That's why I don't like to do predictions. Because <laughs> one, they're really hard. And two, they always come back to get you. Mm-hmm. And then like there, there, there's this aspect of it too. And I don't know if people use our predictions as like betting material. Oh, you, God, you should I hope not, not be doing that if you are. But, like, people get, like, mad. There, there's, like, a certain level of, like, where they're angry. Well, you said this. I, I had a couple of texts during the game. I thought you said Memphis's defense sucked. I'm like, they did. <laughs> Look at their stats from the entire year. They were terrible. They were horrible. They were the 109th worst rush defense in the country. And they looked like the freaking steel curtain 
against Iowa State in that game. I, I don't know why they play the it, games, I guess. What what I noticed right away was that Memphis team, kind of like we thought Iowa State might use that game as a springboard. Memphis really was using that game as a springboard in the next season. I mean, they they weren't shy about saying to the ESPN crew, telling them that they believe that this team could make a run at the playoff next season. And all these guys are playing in this game and this quarterback just throwing it all over the place. They're at home in front of their own fans. Like they really did make the most of their bowl opportunity. They really did. Iowa State, oof. Like what happened? Well, being there, I'll tell you what, and, and I wasn't the only person with this opinion. Let me compare it really quick to 2017. So that game was still to this day, maybe, and you guys, you Iowa fans can snicker, but it, unless you were there, you won't get it. It was one of the coolest, uh, like, neutral, quote-unquote neutral, sporting experiences I've ever been at because it was completely sold out. One half was red. The other half was blue. Memphis on their whole, it was like crowd war. Like It was awesome. Campbell's leading Iowa State up. They hadn't been in a bowl game for a long time, right? Like, you had that feel beside it. This one, the stadium was half full. Memphis's crowd was on fire pregame. They were jacked. The sideline was jumping up and down. It truly felt like Iowa State didn't show up. For the, it, like across the board. And I give the fans credit because, you know, Memphis has a 70 yard touchdown pass on its third play of the game. So that took Iowa State's fans out of it very quickly. But it felt like Iowa State was in a true road game when it came to energy. And they just, I, I thought that Iowa State really across the board, Chris, just completely missed the game plan on this. Like completely missed it. I think that they thought. We're going to go in there and run for 150 yards on this team, which so did I. And, you know, defensively, I think they probably thought that they were going to be able to get pressure with three and be able to do their thing. They did not. That quarterback picks their secondary apart that was down two guys. Uh, Iowa State couldn't get pressure the whole game. They couldn't get any push up front offensively. And I thought the most frustrating thing was that they just didn't kick out of it fast enough. Uh, you know, we've seen this with Iowa State where they, they'll they go into these games thinking that they're going to be able to run the ball. and it, But we've, it's been proven time and time again that Iowa State needs to come out throwing, and then that opens up things on the ground. And still, mm-hmm. they were down – three scores in the third quarter and they're running on first down. And like, it, it was, it was maddening to me when Rocco's what did he throw for four forty six, a school record in that game. Jeez. He could have thrown, if they just would have changed it up, he could have thrown for 600 yards in that game if they would have started earlier, but they didn't. And yeah, it, it was disappointing for sure. Cause Iowa state doesn't really have, they had two, they had a couple of injuries and they had one opt out, but it wasn't like they were Tennessee with half your team you know, being out of that football game. I really thought and expected more here. Um, but I, I give credit to Memphis too, because they, you could tell how much that game meant to them. Guys telling me after the game that they had never won the Liberty Bowl and hmm. their their coach really put that as like this carrot to, to run for. But yeah, it, it, it looked like a game where one team was completely ready in all facets, and the other one really didn't want to be there, which was surprising to me. I didn't expect that from Iowa State. Well, I will push back on one thing you said, that the the Iowa State cheering section was taken out of the game because there were several Iowa fans in that <laughs> Iowa State section that were having the time of their life. Did you see those people? One guy... I- has face paint on. What is that? He's got like a hawk painted onto it. This guy's like 70. He's got face paint on, Hawkeye face paint and a Hawkeye hat at the Iowa State Memphis Liberty Bowl and then some other people with beat state pins on. There's always one of these guys 
But um, the, there were more. The, there were the, several of them. The, the, and the, I don't think they were even together. What, like at what point like does this does this guy with the Coors Light in his hand? He's like, face okay, I'm an Iowa fan. I'm going to go here and root against my rival. Okay. Happens a lot. I'm going to wear my Hawkeye hat. All right. At what point in this guy's mind to be like, you know what? I'm going to paint a hawk <laughs> on my face for the fucking Liberty Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> like, at what point does this guy be like, man, that sounds like a great idea. I'm going to, I'm going to do that. Well, and sitting in the Iowa state section, <laughs> like these guys could have sat in the Memphis section and cheered along with the Memphis fans against Iowa state, but no, they want to be right in the middle of all the cyclone fans. And I got video of these guys like walking up to their seats and people are yelling at them. Like you can hear Iowa state fans be like, what are you doing, man? Like they wanted this. So I had the the old guy absolutely deserves it. I feel like that kid, like I could have seen myself doing something douchey like that when I was younger. I, I that kid's just wearing a pin. Leave him alone. He he probably has like a troll dad or something that encouraged. Yeah, but him it's not be- just a Hawkeye pin. It's a beat state <laughs> pin. Again, like at what point in this gentleman's mind be like, I'm going to I'm going to hire a professional to paint a hawk on my what, face to go to the Liberty Bowl. What is it, it, it? There's a number painted on his face, too. What is that? Three one zero. Is that what that is? Can you zoom in I, on that Van Wink? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I was looking at that the other day. Zoom in on yeah. that face painter's face. That's a pretty good face paint, though. Like he, uh, it is. He spent some time on that. What what is three one three one zero? What is that? What what's the area code? Three one zero area code. Uh, that would be L A. Three one zero. Man, so did he fly know. all the way from L A? That's another thing. It's like, who the hell? If you're not a fan of this, like I, I had this experience two years ago where I was calling an Iowa State TCU basketball game in Fort Worth and they have like a bowl game or they used to at TCU Stadium. And it was like, I don't know, whoever was playing, like these two G5 teams, whatever. And that game was like five hours before our tip or whatever. And it was like, I had the opportunity where I could go and sit at this bowl game of these random two teams of this game that means nothing. Cause it was just right across the street from my hotel. And I was like, who in the hell would just willingly go to one of these games? If it's not your team playing in it, Hassel, it was freezing in Memphis last week. Like I, I bet at the time this picture was taken, like the feels like temperature in that stadium was 30 degrees. Like who in their right mind would be like, I want to go to this game to make, to, to taunt another team. I could see it. If you're an Iowa state or a Memphis fan, that makes sense. Like it, I would never be like, I want to go watch Iowa play Memphis in cold weather just so I can walk up and down and taunt Iowa fans. Whatever. I, just, I think it's hilarious. I'm interested in the psychology here. That's I love how pissed off Iowa State fans are about that too. Like I can tell, I can just, I can feel the hate in your heart when you see this. It's just odd behavior. <laughs> and Some people are saying that the that it's three slash zero. What the hell does that mean? I had to get I had to get confirmation that it was not indeed your dad when I saw the picture first. <laughs> Feels a little bit like a Don Hassel move. No. My dad doesn't even go to games. <laughs> yeah, we invited him. He went to the Iowa Iowa State game at Kinnick in twenty two and it, it was like the first game he had attended in like twenty years. And it was raining. And so he said, that's the last game I'm ever going to go to. 
He just, he hates leaving his house. He's a hermit. Let's do our uh, Kelderman Manufacturing Bigger, Better, Boulder. Bigger, Better, Boulder. Powered by Kelderman Manufacturing. Kelderman.com. Need your laser cutter, laser cutting services. They are your guys. We've got a lot of engineers out there in this great state of Iowa. If you're looking for laser cutting here in 2024, remember our friends at Kelderman Manufacturing. We'll let Matty Van Winks go first with his bigger, better boulder. Um, so it was like almost a week ago, but the Pop-Tarts Bowl is still getting talked about. You yeah, would like good. that. Um, the edible mascot at the end was the best thing I've seen in the whole that was whole season. I was wondering how they were going to do that. And the, the players said that it actually tasted good. It looked pretty good. looked pretty good. It, did you see, too, that the ratings on that game were the highest of any uh, non-New um, Year's Six bowl game? It was like 4.6 million or something like that. And who was playing in that game? It was Kansas State and NC State. Okay, so decent. People watch up. these yeah. bowl games. That's that's why they're still here. They watch. Yes, them. And, and and that's why you can't just take them away, because then you're taking away millions, billions of dollars in ad revenue, all that stuff. So they're they're not going away. We just have to figure out a different way to roll them out. I thought it was funny too how. It was, you know, it was played in the same stadium Iowa played in, the Cheez It Bowl, and they basically recreated the Pop Tart stage with that guy and put a Cheez It box around it. So, not not edible. Having been there, those bowls are run by the same people, and I I believe Cheez It and Pop Tart are owned by the same company. Yeah. Uh So, I'm guessing it was the same like marketing team that, that came up with that. Because we've experienced this before, where the Cheez It Bowl used to be the Pop Tart Bowl. <laughs> it's so, it's so confusing. And now the Cheez It Bowl is the, what was the old, Florida Citrus Bowl. By you the ever way, like to go back with these bowl games and see like what was this game in nineteen yeah. ninety? It's it's, it's like well, I think that was, I don't know what it was. The Pop Tart Bowl it's, is it's like crazy. the old Blockbuster Bowl from yeah. back in the day. Mike says there's a bar called 310 Beal. So maybe the Uh, guy got the face painting there. (laughs) So he's just hanging out at the bar. Can you you paint a hawk on my face right on my eyeball and nose and cheek? Because I'm going to the Iowa State game tonight. I really want to stick it to these cyclones. (laughs) What's your triple B? Tory Taylor. I actually had a great power move that Tory Taylor should have sat out of the bowl game just for punters across the world. Just a huge power move for <laughs> for punters. Opt no, out I just to, to prepare for the draft. This guy is the most valuable. Like, if you Iowa's wins over the last few years with what they're working with, this guy's the most valuable player in college football. Maybe a quarterback or two in there, but this guy like be real interesting when you don't. You have don't him. really believe that, do you, dude? Flipping the field the way he's done it the last however many years with those. You in- think he's the most valuable player that nobody in talks college about? Football. I would put that caveat. Yeah. Okay, that nobody I, talks about because everybody yeah, I mean, talks about every quarterback. I mean, Michael Penix. Yeah, like is clearly he's got the ball in his hand every play. But like this Which guy, would you rather have. Would you rather have Michael Penix or Torrey Taylor? Same for what Iowa does. If you don't have this guy, if you have a punter that is like two-thirds as good as him, the 10 wins is probably eight. Whatever last year, I'm serious. When you have no offense this way, and guy played his last game at Iowa, I know everybody's excited because, oh, we got a new Aussie. They ain't going to be like this guy. That's the goat right there. But I wish he would have opted out. That would have been a great story. Punter opts out to prepare (laughs) for draft. Uh, I'm going to go with a Michigan player. 
Roman Wilson. Okay. Remember the fourth down and two late in that game. Michigan had to get it to stay alive. They went for it in their own territory. It was a screen pass, busted coverage. Well, Roman Wilson was the wide receiver who got flagged for a block in the back that kind of took that play from being maybe monstrous going into the red zone to now they're backed up at the 50-yard line. Big penalty. What's he do? Well, makes up for it with two huge plays on that drive. He scored the touchdown at the end of that drive, but I thought the biggest play was that the pass that was tipped at the line of scrimmage that McCarthy threw and Roman Wilson was somehow able to adjust and make an incredible catch around the 20-yard line and then take it to the sideline and set him up first and goal inside the 10-yard line. Like, that could have easily been intercepted. If he's not on his game, if he's not ready for that, if he doesn't see that thing get tipped, that could have been the game. He makes that play. He scores the touchdown. He doesn't let that block in the back define him. Mm, good, pull, good, good pull. He's my triple B, Roman Wilson. Tory Taylor, Roman Wilson, and the Pop-Tart Bowl. I think Van Winkle's onto something. They need to just lean into like these crazy gimmicks for all these bowl games that yeah, don't matter. Why the hell was there not an edible giant cheese it at the end of the game? Like they just it. need to make it as preposterous as possible. They do, and, and that's smart. It, it's it's really smart advertising. I think that these these companies can get a lot out of these bowl games when you do stuff like this. But it does. I mean, it is. It's all a gimmick. The most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in a bowl game. They had um, co, wasn't co-captains, co-game, um, uh, what do you call it when they're the, they're not the, co-coin toss people or whatever. What? Yeah, they're, they're, they're like honoring Oh, like with, when they bring out the. The suits, like, like we, the this honorary, is the, yeah, FedEx honorary captain for whatever. There were thirty-two of them for the Liberty Bowl. What? Thirty-two people from AutoZone? Yes, no, but they were from FedEx because they're like the local sponsor or whatever. Okay, who walked out there onto that field before the game for the coin toss, and they had to introduce every one of them. No, thirty-two of them. Oh. <laughs> it had to be a record. It was like, really? They're going to keep going? They're going to keep going? The Liberty Bowl, you walk in and you talk to these Liberty Bowl guys, you know your guy. It's like mm-hmm. you're walking into 1985. The way they like still treat... They, the, the guy who runs the Liberty Bowl, I'm not kidding, sends out like 15 emails a day. And then you go there and, you know, yeah, it, it is old school. Anyways. Did you notice no clanging today? No straw clanging. Oh, did you get a new straw for Christmas, did you? You my went with mom, the rubber? You went with the rubbers? Well, yeah. My mom went with, got me a pack of silicone straws. So I have new straw implants. You can't see. I mean, you can barely even hear that if it clangs around. Silicone. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, real quick note: Iowa basketball at Wisconsin tonight. Hawkeyes are all right. Back into the half. Big Ten. Yep. Hawkeyes are a seven and a half point underdog. Iowa okay. State gets going with Big Twelve play on Saturday. About goddamn time. Oh. See, like a real team play them. It's been forever. It's been that Iowa game since they played like a real opponent. Which that seems like it was like two years ago at this point. We only have one college football game left. Yeah, it's depressing. Where did it go? I liked a few years ago where they'd be like, oh, okay, we're going to play a bowl game in Canada in between the (laughs) 
playoffs and you know what I mean? It was like, uh-huh. like two or three of these, like, oh, we're still going to hang on and play these games at two o'clock in the afternoon on a Tuesday. We need more. Yeah. And they would spread out the, the new year's six games. Like maybe the Fiesta bowl would have been this week on Friday. Yeah. Oh man. And I also learned how sensitive many of you Iowa fans are about your godforsaken Rose bowl. My God, quit tweeting at me. What? Why are they defensive about the Rose bowl? Because they the don't Rose understand Bowl. my point is to they they think I'm being critical of the game and tradition, which I'm not. Mm-hmm. I think it's great. Like I'm not trying to get rid of the Rose Bowl. I'm not trying to get rid of the Pop Tart Bowl. I'm not trying to get rid of the Liberty Bowl. What I'm saying is we need to evolve in a way in which the Orange Bowl can exist and not have forty opt outs. Right? Like <laughs> yes. like I'm trying and, and, and these Iowa fans who are upset with me don't understand that I've been making this commentary about the Rose Bowl and their executives, and it's well proven how they've put their own game in front of the future of the sport for decades now. Did you see the first question to uh, Nick Saban <laughs> after the overtime loss to Michigan? I sent it to you on uh, yes on the Twitter. Uh, where the hell is it? Uh, it was the transcript. Nicole Auerbach put out the the tr- she was reading the transcript of the of the questions, and this was the very first question that Saban got, and it might have been from a bowl executive that was sitting up there. You know those MCs? Yeah, they're like, oh, we'll get things started here. But come on, this guy goes, Coach Saban, what does this mean to have the opportunity? First of all. To play in the Rose Bowl game, the granddaddy of them all, to you as a coach. <laughs> That's the first question he got. What does it mean to play in the granddaddy of them all? Like, this guy's won seven national championships. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm not surprised that or they planted it with some media member that has been brainwashed that this game is the only thing that matters in college football. That this is a whole other podcast for another time, but again, there's no entity that has held a, sp- a real sport back more than these old guys and their blazers at the Rose Bowl have. It's That's all true. money. It is all money. Like there's a re- like Jim Delaney is one of their like c- advisors. Did you know that? What the hell does he need to advise them for? What do you think that's the role like George Kleakov is going to go into when the Pac-12 dissolves? What a t- what a time to be alive! I love the Rose Bowl. I used to watch the Rose Bowl as a kid. I'm telling God, you, it's those, just not the same anymore. It's it not was, the same it, thing. You can't treat it like 1990. Well, no, but it, when it's the semifinal, it, it's awesome. Yeah. I mean, when it was Absolutely. the championship game and whatever that was, 2005, 2006 with Texas. Yeah, it's oh great. God, it's a USC. great setting. All right, we got to get out of here, don't we? Yeah, we got to get out of here. Appreciate I got, you I guys. Got, I got things to do. Fairway, Channel Seed, uh, for sponsoring the program as always. We will be back on Thursday, so we are back to normal. Oh, we're coming back in 48 hours. 48 hours. We'll be back. All right. Maddie Van Winks Productions. Have a great week. Iowa everywhere.